what I'm calling knowledge is is everything that we've learned, right? So ev- everything that we think we know um, that has, has some usefulness to it. I mean, obviously, you know, you know, learning in school, learning personal skills, learning how to relate to other people, all of that has has value. So not not disputing any of that. Um, there's also knowledge in the form of memories, right? You know, I know how the world works because this happened to me. I've had this experience. This is who I am. All of that's in the field of knowledge about what I am. Right? Um, you know, we have uh, knowledge about our relationships, our, our situation, our opinions about ourselves. All of that's in the realm of knowledge, something that we think we know about who we are. Um, so all of that's of a relatively fixed nature, and it sort of accumulates over a lifetime as you know, more experiences, more situations, more memories. And um, over the course of the lifetime, it tends to solidify more and more, like, well, that's just who I am, right? It feels like that. It feels almost like it's um, hardwired, you know, it's not, not really a choice anymore. It's really just, well, it's just who I am. Does it feel like that? Um, and then, um, and, and then we feel somehow that we, we have to um, free ourselves from that. Because at, at some point, it can begin to feel confining. You know, like it's, you know, we spend, you know, quite a few years, you know, sort of building up our identity that we sort of have some degree of comfort or discomfort about. And then um, uh, then, then there's a sense of, well, you know, I, there's a sense of separation from the world, you know. I've, I've worked on this body-mind. I've sort of... Um, you know, gotten a reasonable number of skills together, and um, but it feels feels like I'm here. You know, this body, this mind, and the world is out there. Other people are out there. Everything I see is out there, and there's some um, sense. I don't know if if you feel. I I certainly felt it for a lot of years that that somehow I the world was somehow just a little bit beyond my grasp, you know, like it, I couldn't quite, didn't quite feel like I plugged into it, like I was sort of impersonating an inhabitant of the world, right? Impersonating an adult. <laughs> I don't know, does that ring true at all? Like, you know, sort of doing our best to sort of, you know, persuade ourselves and other people that, you know, I'm actually okay, you know, I'm actually, you know, a functional adult. And, um, you know, we can get, we can improve those skills, all of that has value, you know, it certainly, you know, makes a difference in terms of what kind of work we do, what kind of relationships we have, um, you know, how other people view us, it all has value, so we're not disputing any of that. Um, but it's it's still all within this realm of 
Um, you know, I, I'm trying to put together my um, composite philosophy about myself and other people in the world, you know, and that's, that's how this organism is operating in the world, relating to other people. And um, so from that perspective, the natural thing is, well, I'll, I'll just keep working at that model, you know, sort of upgrading, upgrading my package, my software, right? <laughs> you know, to you know, improve my skills. Um, and there's, I think there's an underlying assumption um, that's fairly prevalent in this country that if, if um, I'm just more successful, you know, more skilled, m m more developed this, this capacity, then there'll be greater happiness. There's that, that belief. And uh, that can motivate well, it seems to motivate most people for a long time, most people for their entire life, you know, that somehow, um, you, you know, there's an expectation that in the, in the future that it'll sort of resolve this sense of not being quite at ease in the world, not being quite at ease in our own skin, you know, that something... Something's not quite enough. And, and so we continue to try to ad adjust the, the skill set, you know, to feel, to feel better about ourselves, our situation, our relationships, our work, capacities, our careers, our families, all of that to, you know, to sort of make it all feel good. Right. So I'd suggest all of that's fine, and it's all within the same paradigm. You know, it's, it's all founded on the belief that if I just do this better, then there'll be some state of abiding peace. Seems possible. Right. And spirituality is actually no different because the exact same thought process is functioning there too. If I just get enlightened, that'll make everything okay. Right, but it's still that. You can can you see it's still the same. You know how how can I do? How can something happen? How can I make something happen that'll make this organism feel okay about itself, completely okay about itself, as is, faults and all. So it's the same same mechanism. But now we have a loftier goal. We, we have some, you know, that, that will permanently resolve it. Before, you know, just this common everyday ambition, you know, to sort of 
get a bigger house or, you know, better situation or look or improve our appearance or whatever, social standing or however we view it. Now it's, I'm, I'm beyond that now. Now I'm going for enlightenment, right? But it's the same movement. It's like, it's not now, but if I work at it, then at some future point, it's, not, it's absent now, or if not entirely absent, not, not, not fulfilled in this moment. But if I work at it, then at some future point, then it will be. That's the hope, right? But it doesn't, that hope doesn't actually jive with the fact that whatever it is that we essentially are must be present now, completely, not partially, completely. And it's, it's sort of, it, it, that hope about the future is, dependent on our denial in this moment that that is possible. You know, it's like, no, that, that couldn't be true. I know it sounds good, but it couldn't be true. And so there's, there's a, a denial. It's like, n no, not, not me. And it's, if we go back to the same self-improvement model, you know, not me, not as I am, maybe in the future, but not now, right? So it's, it's really important to see that the same mental process is in play, that happiness is possible, not now, but at some later point, and all I need to do is up my game in order to be granted that happiness, right? But the important part is to see that it's founded on the belief that something as is isn't sufficient. You know, and I think the fear is that, well, if I just sort of relax and, you know, I'm not that happy now, maybe not, I'm, I'm speaking in absolute terms here, but we can say, you know, I don't feel completely happy now, so if I just relaxed, then what would ever change? That's sort of the fear, right? But what's, what's telling us that? Right? Just another thought, right? It's just the, the mind, the, you know, the conditioned mental patterns coming in saying, no, you can't relax, you know, you've got to keep it up, you know, you can't let down your guard, you know, you have to keep working at it, and, you know, the, the payoff will be in the future sometime. So that's, that's the fear, but the fear comes from uh, the really holding on to, I know how everything works, I, I know you know, I've, I've spent, you know, these decades sort of figuring out, 
you know, what I am as a person, how the world works, and um, I'm not going to just let that go because I've worked so hard at the concept of improving my way to a future state of happiness. But so much of that is grounded in um, our belief about what, what we actually are, that we're so certain that our, our truest, deepest identity is this, is this experience of the body, you know, with the, the sort of mind thinking it, it's in charge of it, right? That package. And from that perspective, it's like, yeah, I just want to feel good, right? I just, I just want to feel okay. And so, um, you know, if that is our identity, then it actually makes sense to sort of pursue pleasure, you know, do things that make me feel good. You know, why not? You know? that you can't argue that it's not preferable to feeling bad, right? Of course, we'd all like to feel good, right? The difficulty is that as, as these organisms, we're vulnerable, you know, we're vulnerable to the next shock, you know, we're vulnerable to sickness, we're vulnerable to loss, we're vulnerable to insult, we're vulnerable to um, all kinds of things. We're, we're vulnerable to things that we tell ourselves in the privacy of our own head that make us feel poorly. So as long as we take ourselves to be this conditioned organism, um, you know, we can seek pleasure, but um, we all know that it's not only about that, you know, it's about the whole spectrum of human experience. So we're, we're tossed about, about, you know, a ship on the sea in a storm, tossed about all the time. Sometimes it feels really good. Sometimes it feels really, really difficult. But it has everything to do with what we take ourselves to be. You know, if, if we take ourselves to be this body, that's, that's the natural conclusion. You know, I'm in this for the duration, and I'm going to try to, you know, experience as much pleasure, things as, that make me feel good as I can, and hope nothing too bad happens before I die. You know, that's the, that's the model. <laughs> But all the while, there is something that um, that is the ground of our experience all the time, and that is all of that, that entire spectrum of human experience is always and only happening within awareness, within this spaciousness. And that's already available.
So when we can come back to that as in recognition of that is our true home, and yes, all of this arisings, experiences, feelings, emotions, thoughts, all of that's happening within that. Wonderful, beautiful. It's not all fun and games, but it is all amazing, right? All quite amazing that this we get to experience, um, you know, from a, from a very sort of immersed perspective. It's, we're not talking about anything distant, you know, like, you know, up in a spacecraft looking at poor me down there at Earth. We get, we get to be fully immersed in the experience as well. But when we take ourselves to be this, then it all feels very personal. By recognizing that what we truly are is this, uh, is, is this, this space within which all of this happens, not a physical space, but the capacity within which all of this happens, then we can still participate fully. The only difference is that we can do it without fear. Because this awareness isn't, isn't of the same world of form that is vulnerable to insults of all kinds. And that I, I know that you've all experienced this awareness can go in and um, check in with it at will, yes. And, um, and then the, the movement is, is just more and more to recognize that that is what we truly are. That is our home. That is our true nature, our essential beingness, our divine spirit, whatever word you like, right? Living this life, living this life through this form. And that spirit or awareness isn't isn't demanding that anything be fixed. It's not, it's not requiring any prerequisites. It already is as it is, totally complete. Complete and yet always alive, always present for, always for whatever's arising. From that perspective, it, it's, it's not, um, it already is allowing everything to be. You know, the, the, you know, from the personal perspective is, I'm trying to let everything be as it is, right? I'm doing my best to try to let everything, but awareness is already doing it, right? From the personal perspective is, I'm just trying to quiet my mind. From awareness, it's everything's already quiet, and within that, sounds happen, events happen, mental noise happens, confusion happens, you know, feeling down happens, feeling up happens, all of that. And in the meantime, the awareness is at peace, 
always. So at some point we just become, may not happen overnight, it might not happen um, like the flash of insight to recognize, you know, that awareness is already present. That can happen in a moment. But this identity shift um, seems to happen much more um, gradually, as far as I can tell. Right? It happens much more as we become as as you know separate beings, you know, identified with our body mind. We become less and less convinced that that's our ultimate reality. And we gradually relax our grip on that. And when we do, what remains is already one with the experience. You know, as a separate self, we're not ever going to find oneness. Right? We can try. We can have an experience of, in a moment of sort of merging with things, but that's different than recognizing that you know what I truly am is inseparable. I don't have to try to be at one with everything else. What what is? our most essential nature is already at one with everything else simply because it allows everything. It allows this body-mind to do and say what it does. It allows, also allows other people. Our, our mind may, is never going to get there. Gradually it'll sort of come around, but it, it's reluctantly, you know, it's it's not... At some point, the mind isn't going to say, oh, yeah, everybody's just going to be as they are, and I'm good with that. You know, not really. You know, we can try, you know. I mean, it's a good religious aspiration. That's fine. But what what we're talking about here is is something deeper than that, where the recognition is that... Um, the appearance of the other person, however they may appear, is also a manifestation of this one alive awareness that's functioning in all of us. And over there, routed through that conditioning, it looks like that. Routing through this conditioning, it looks like this. Which is better? Which is right? <laughs> Which is wrong? different, same source, right? Same source. So it, this identity shift isn't something that we can sort of, you know, in one sort of um, energetic <laughs> moonshot, you know, we're going to convince ourselves of. It's It's more like just seeing that the suffering um, that's caused, that we we cause ourselves and indirectly cause other people is a result of this identification with 
this form and trying to maximize its pleasure in the world because that's always going to be at odds, right, with what's happening. So we started off talking about wisdom as compared to knowledge. So when we're, when we're functioning from this sense of separation, sense of, you know, this is me over here, separate self, that's, that's operating from knowledge, from everything that's gone before um, programs to a very large degree how this organism will act and what it'll say and what it'll do, what it'll think, what it'll tell itself. Right. Wisdom comes from a different direction. It, it comes when um, the organism becomes more transparent gradually over time. More transparent just means believing in its own sense of separation less and less. Less and less able to convince itself that that's, that's what I am. And what remains is just this recognition of what's always been present, what's always present for whatever's happening. Good, bad, or indifferent, right? And so the spiritual teaching about, you know, be without preferences. You know, the, the little me can try to be without preferences. It can try really hard to do that. But what would be its motivation for doing that? To feel better. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be without preferences because I want to feel better, which is actually my preference. <laughs> right, <laughs> but the the all the while, the awareness already is without preference. Just because it it it's it will remain present for whatever, right? I mean, every, everything that's ever happened in your life, right? All the good things, all the difficult things, all the mundane things. You were there for. Right? You were present for. We attributed that to, to me, this, this, this body was there, but it was actually the, the awareness that knew that you were present. You might not have put it in those words, but that's what was happening already. It's a done deal. It's really a done deal. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> you know? We, we think we're n n not enlightened, but we're going to get enlightened, and it's going to feel like this. But the, the reality is uh, that the awakeness is already fully present, and the, the journey is um, uh, gradually being willing um, to accept the fact that the awakeness has always been there. Right? It's not not an attainment. It's just letting go of misperceptions, more and more misperceptions. You know, all the all the the misperceptions. I just mean the beliefs in the present moment that convince us why the awakeness is not 
fully present now, all those beliefs. And they're very convincing, right? It's always, yes, but. But what about this? You know, what, what about when my mind is busy? What about when I feel confused? What about when I don't like other people? What about when I, um, I don't know, eat a quart of ice cream? What about if, you know, I think terrible thoughts about somebody? What about... We're talking about what's arising within awareness. We're not talking about awareness. Right? And it's, it's true that over time, that if the more we can come back to um, noticing what's happening from the perspective of awareness, um, that that has a... I hesitate to use the word purifying, but it does have a purifying effect. It gradually rounds off a few rough edges. Not because it's trying to do that, it's just the nature of it. The more time that we can spend in, um, you know, knowingly in and operating from that sense of beingness, and noticing things happening within it, the more time we can spend doing that, um, uh, things begin begin to lose their personal sticky quality. And so it has a has a purifying effect without us trying to be more pure as good spiritual people, right? To become more pure. For, for what, you know, if we're doing it for motivation, right, I'm becoming m- more pure because I want to feel better about myself, right? I want to feel more spiritual. I want to, I want to get the, the payoffs from, you know, being this spiritual, highly purified spiritual being, right? So if we're doing it from that perspective, it's already tainted. You know, all, all we can do is notice Notice, notice what this body-mind is doing without judgment. That, that's the real key. Just, just see it. You know, yeah, there it is again. That, that very familiar conditioning. I've seen it a hundred times before. You know, it's come out of my mouth that way. It's, you know, this familiar emotion, this reactive response, whatever it is. Seen it before. Not dismissive, right? not justifying, uh, not spiritualizing, not saying, well, hey, I'm just awareness, so whatever I do, you know, deal with it. It's not that, right? It's just noticing it, not who we are, but it's how this body-mind was conditioned. You know, the fact that we still get to live out this life in this body-mind um, makes it worth paying attention to that. It just doesn't define what we are. So we do ourselves and other people a favor by just being willing to, to notice that. And there is, there is a, a gradual harmonization, never, never finished, right? Never get to an end point where we say, 
hey, it's it's all perfect, and that, that doesn't happen. Well, maybe for some dead people, but not for alive people. <laughs> so yeah, that's um, you know when when um, you know as we spend more time just in that recognition of that essential beingness that we are um, without without trying to manipulate it without using it for some purpose you know just just being with it um, it has um, an infinite depth to it uh, most people say, okay, okay, I've got, got the awareness thing, what's next, right? And then we're back to the same game, like how do I use this to get somewhere else that's not present now? And what we can recognize from the spending more and more time with just being with this, this aware capacity is that it um, has a wisdom to it, a wisdom that's not dependent on our past. And we've all experienced that at times. We've all, um, you know, done something, said something spontaneously that was just right, you know, just for that moment, just what the other person needed to hear. It wasn't something that came out of our philosophy or our psychology about what the other person should hear or um, or we do something that just feels like a, a natural movement for the situation. There seems to be a movement in a certain direction with a lot, not a lot of mental anguish associated with it. You know, if we spend, you know, days trying to think pros and cons and arguments for and against doing something, that's not it. You know, that's, that's coming out of mind and what usually happens is that when we really investigate it what usually happens is we spend days thinking this or that or should I do this or that and then for some reason we just say okay I'm, I'm just going to do this right it's almost like we make the decision and then and then we can justify it afterwards so there, there can be sort of this just want to get it over with I just want to decide something I'll, I'll do go in this direction but it's not that it's much more um much quieter process. Not really a process, it's just a, sort of like, more like a little gentle breeze, you know, like, yeah, this seems, my curiosity, my, you know, my energy seems to be sort of moving more in this direction, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll follow that, right? Cur I'm curious, I'm, you know, not sort of mentally curious, but I'm just drawn towards some movement. And then more and more we learn to trust that. You know, less and less it's coming from, you know, a strategic plan and more coming from just it seems to be how things are going in the next moment. And without ever knowing how, how life is going to unfold, it's, it does unfold. It will anyway, but there's a difference between thinking I'm doing it and I'm letting, sort of like dancing, but let life take the lead, right? 
you see, you're still, you still have to do your part, but, you know, if you let life sort of take the lead, it feels different. So that's, that's more what wisdom feels like rather than knowledge about that comes from the past, the conditioned past. <laughs> 